This message was recorded live at the Ark Church in Conroe, Texas. As we conclude this series of Built to Last, I think a couple of things have, have really stood out and I hope you have left with one, uh, you figured out that Joy and I are not perfect. And you've always known that about me. You wondered about her. Now you know the truth about both of us. <laughs> and I, I, I hope, and I've heard numerous couples say that they've looked at one another and said, you know, we're not that bad off. <laughs> and and, and the, if, you, if you got that out of this, good. You know, all of us are dealing with stuff in life. And so if you, if you left here feeling better about yourself, good. I'm, I'm glad. The, the second thing I, that we really discovered with this series is there's a lot more pain associated with relationships than we understood. And we realized over 200 questions came in last week when Joe and I answered questions. Obviously, we didn't have a chance to, uh, to go into all of those. But here's what we, we did discover. A lot of pain associated with relationships. So this morning, I, I want to take just a, a, an opportunity to teach again and teach some things that you can do to come out of that pain. And I think the idea is, listen, whether the other person ever makes everything right or not, you can still come out of pain. And it's a reality in our life. It's something that we, um, that we have dealt with and everyone has dealt with. In fact, in the book of 2 Corinthians, Apostle Paul was writing, he was talking about an individual. He said, so that on the contrary, you ought rather to forgive and comfort him, lest perhaps such a one be swallowed up with too much sorrow. I thought that's an interesting phrase, swallowed up with too much sorrow. And what we find is so many people in life are swallowed up. And that word is also uh, translated as devoured and drowned. And so too much sorrow in life, sorrow is, is a part of life. Too much of it can be damaging. So as we talk about this, just, just keep in mind, there's hope here, but let's first just talk about some of the things that people deal with, some of the sorrows in life. The first one is, and especially in relationships, the sorrow of disappointment. You're disappointed. People get disappointed in relationships. Often they thought, hey, it's going to be like this, and it wound up to be like this, and in that area in the middle is where the disappointment is. Joy thought that marriage was going to be this really awesome thing, and then she married me, and she wondered, is, she said, who's at fault here? Is it marriage that's jacked up, or is it Alan? And then she figured out it was me, and so that, that was that was part of her disappointment in life. We, she always said, I just thought that our first night together that we would sleep all cuddled up next to each other. And, and when I sleep, I don't want you touching me. I, just want, I, I need space. I, you need a bunch of blankets. I don't. And so it, thus it begins. And there, there begin the disappointment. The second level, I really think of pain, is the level of rejection. And for parents, especially those of you who have children, let me encourage you to do this. Don't ever kind of dismiss the idea that when your kids express how they got rejected and it made them feel bad, don't ever act like, oh, you're a kid, you'll get over it. It's relative to them. When I was in third grade, I remember I started wearing glasses in the third grade, these big, and back when I was in the third grade, back right after electricity was invented, it had um, <laughs> these big, thick glasses with, they were all like black or they had frames and you know and people made fun and I remember the rejection even then and then I remember when I was 14 we used to have this was back in the day when when little our junior high school put on a homecoming dance in the gym after the game and actually it was it was a it was a big dance and uh, I went and I like this girl named Sonia I can't use last names anymore because 
There's way too much social media, and these people are going to track me down. So there, there was Sonia, and I was interested in Sonia, and so I was going, it was the last, it was the last slow dance of the night, and, and I was going to, I worked up my courage to ask Sonia to dance, and she saw me coming, and she squirted away from me and went and danced with Alan Willard. And I don't mind using his last name because I never liked him anyway, and, I, and so, <laughs> so we were, so I, but I remember, I can still remember standing there on that gym floor as the disco ball swirled around and as they played a song, and I wasn't dancing, and so at the end of the dance, my mom took me, she picked me and my two buddies up, all of us struck out, and uh, we got in the car and drove home, everybody was kind of quiet, and I got, I got home, and I, I didn't want to talk about it, I went downstairs, and I, I cut my FM radio on, and I'll never forget the song that was playing, it was the Bee Gees, it was before Saturday Night Fever, but they were, they were playing the song, how do you mend a broken heart? How can a loser ever win? Please help me mend my broken heart and let me love again. Na, 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 na. And I was listening to that song going, I so relate to that song, man. That is, that is so me. And at 14 years old, it was the Bee Gees singing to my broken heart, but yet rejection is very real and it starts young. And it's, if it wasn't so real, there wouldn't be so many songs and stories about it, which reminds me of a story. Man, man cashed out of his business, retired at 62, decided he's going to enjoy life, bought a vet, bought a ZO2 vet. Man, this thing would fly. And so he got on I-45, he, he got past Huntsville. And you know how when you get past Huntsville, the, it kind of gets real flat there. And he got past, man, he's just cruising. He's cruising at 90 when he passed the state trooper. And... Trooper lit him up, comes out there, and he sees the, the lights in the mirror. He thinks, I can outrun this guy. And he puts his foot in it, just, and that, that thing will fly. And he's doing 150, and he's leaving that guy in the, in the rear view. And then he thinks to himself, what am I doing? Uh, I can't outrun radios. They will absolutely put me under the jail. And so he pulls over, gets out of his, gets out of his vet, and he's sitting there waiting for the trooper to come up. Trooper gets out, sees this distinguished-looking gentleman standing beside a vet, and he just shakes his head. He says, sir, I've had a long day, and I've got somewhere I need to be. If you can give me one good reason why you were trying to outrun me, I'm going to let you go. And the man looked at him, thought for a moment. He said, well, he said, 10 years ago, my wife ran off with a state trooper, and I thought you were bringing her back. <laughs> trooper just folds up and says, have a good day, sir. And it, you know, the thing about it is, is he say, well, Alan, what you're talking about now is, is one of the most intense pains that people deal with, and that's the pain of betrayal. How can you laugh at that? L listen to me just for a moment. We have to be able to get to the place that we can laugh at life. You've got to be able to get there. Now, I didn't tell your story. That's a joke. But oftentimes, people say, well, I, I can't get to the place where I can laugh, but I believe with God's help we can. And betrayal is, is, is maybe one of the most difficult. Some of the questions that came in, how do I deal with the infidelity? How do I deal? Listen, the challenge is sometimes they don't make it right. Sometimes the other person doesn't do the right thing. How do you deal with that? Elizabeth Edwards was uh, married to John Edwards. He was a 2008 uh, Democratic candidate for president who came out that he had an extramarital affair with one of his campaign workers. And Elizabeth said something in her book, Resilience, I thought was interesting. She said, when I heard about it, she said, I 
I screamed, I cried, and I went in the bathroom and I threw up. And then she said the next day when I talked to my husband, she said, it just felt like all the ground had been removed from under my feet. What she's describing is the pain of betrayal. And she had asked John, she told him, she said, please, she said, please, one thing, she said, be faithful to me. She said, leave me if you have to, but while you're with me, be faithful. And that talks about pain. You say, well, that's great, Alan. You've given us three good reasons to be depressed today. And so wh- why, what's the purpose behind that? Because here's the deal. Everybody deals with pain. Now, you may not be dealing with relational pain this morning, but I bet you know someone who is. It's a friend. It's a family member. It's a child. Someone who's dealing with relational pain. Here's the hope in this. Whatever pain you're going through, it's like Joy shared this morning, the Lord can lift that off of you because he is still the one who heals brokenhearted people. In Luke, the fourth chapter, Jesus is talking. This is one of his famous sermons. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. So this morning, if you're here and you're thinking, I have been hurt, I have been hurt relationally, can I ever get past this hurt? Listen, one of the things you've got to understand is God can help you past this hurt that you have to understand that because if you get the feeling that I'll always have to live with this, I'll always be this way, then that that is a debilitating thought and it's a thought that can hold you in bondage, but I've got good news for you. You can get past the hurt. Many of you have heard me tell some of the stories about how my daughter went through such a traumatic time. We were only able to tell that story just recently because one, she released us to, and two, she says, because it doesn't hurt anymore. So you can get past that place. Here's some of the ways that people deal. These are what I call common ways people deal with hurt and pain. Maybe you know someone who's dealing this way or, or going through it. Common ways of dealing with relational pain. First one is denial. Now, I see this mostly in men. You know, we've been hurt and we're like, no, you know, we're good. Just a thing. And we deny things. Denying, acting like it never happened, like it never existed. The problem with denial is you never really deal with it. And oftentimes it can show up in other areas of our life. We do want to deny pain the ability to swallow us up, but we need to be able to at least realize, hey, this happened and I need to deal with this. The second thing is what I call distractions. You see, this happens oftentimes with people. They get hurt and pain and they pour themselves into something else. They pour themselves maybe into a job or into a hobby or, or they you know, just start extreme sports, something to take their mind off of the pain. You know, this is where often you see people rebound where they get out of a a relationship, a lot of pain, and immediately they're with somebody else super quick. And that rebound can just simply be a distraction in their life. And so I I remember when Joy and I had had the failed church and it didn't work. And for a long time there, we went and ran in this park. And Joy's not much of a runner, but but I would watch the kids. She would run a couple of miles. I would run. And that running was a distraction for us. It took our minds off the pain. Third one is is what I would call dumbing down or dulling down the pain. And this is where it can get a little dicey. And that can be where simply someone's dealing with television binge watching just to excess, spending excess time on on the internet. It could be gaming. But, But you can see the idea of dulling it down is I'm going through pain, but I'm going to not deal with it. I'm going to escape from it. And often this is where you see alcohol abuse come in, you see uh, medication abuse come in, and you see drug abuse come in. Now listen, let me do a quick word on, on meds. So well, I, you know, I'm on antidepressants. Is, is that wrong? Listen, I'm for whatever you have to do to get help. 
So I'm not anti-meds. I do know this. For a long-term strategy, it's not a great long-term strategy because oftentimes it takes a lot more to get you to the same place where the pain is a dull down level. This is where you see where people start off in an area, but then it becomes excessive. And so you, you, don't, you don't want to get to that place. Thank God we don't have to. And then the last way people deal with the pain is what I call they dive in and dissect it. And this is what they often do with, with the help of a counselor or help of a, of a, a therapist that people will get in and they just, they go into it, they go into it, the whys, the whys, and, and just pull it apart. Again, you say, Alan, are you against counselors? I am not. I'm just telling you these are common ways people deal with pain. And I, I, I want to tell you something. A lot of people have been helped by counselors who help talk them off the ledge. And when my daughter was so bad off, we took her to counselors because you say, well, you're a pastor. Why would you do that? Because let me tell you what the bottom line is. The bottom line is we win. And we do anything that it takes to win. And so for, for Christina, we took her. But one of her counselors asked her a great question. Finally asked her, said, Christina, do you want to get well? And Christina realized that, that she had just rehashing and rehashing and rehashing the problem. She said, she told us later on, she said, I felt like I was giving life to the darkness. And so that began a, a turning point for her in her life. And she came out of it to the point where now she, she's okay with telling her story. But because, like I said, it doesn't hurt anymore. These are ways of dealing with pain, but then there's some other ways of dealing with pain. These are what I call God's kingdom ways of dealing with pain. Now listen to me just for a second. Here, here's one of the things with pain. Some of the questions that came in going, how do I get them to do this? How do I get them to do this? Listen, some, sometimes people are not going to do the right thing. But you have to be okay whether they're okay or not. And you have to be able. So these are geared more toward you and whether or not the other person ever does the right thing, whether they apologize, whether they get right, you have to be able to be strong and to go on. So I'm going to give you some God's kingdom ways of dealing with pain. One of the things I'm not going to go into is forgiveness because it, it, I, I, it's foundational. You're going to have to go there, but that's an entirely different message. Let me give you some other things you can do. Found in 2 Corinthians, the 13th chapter. It says, finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice. Strive for full restoration. In other words, there would be become complete Encourage one another, be of one mind, live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. Here's some things you can do. These are some of God's kingdom things you can do. The first one is you need to be encouraged. You need to be in an environment where you can be encouraged. When you're going through, especially when you're going through emotional pain, you need to be around people who can encourage you and help you. Max Lucado was running an, a half Ironman one time, and he got to the running part of it. He'd already biked 56 miles and run one point, and, and swam 1.2 miles. He ran up next to a guy and said, how are you doing? He said, I wish he'd never ask. The guy said, I'm, I'm doing lousy. He said, this is the stupidest decision I have ever made. I don't know why in the world I'm doing this. I'm hurting, it's too hot, and I'm dehydrated. Finally, Max said he had to leave the guy or he's going to start agreeing with him. So he ran up and caught up with a 66-year-old grandmother who was running. And she was just like this ball of encouragement. She's like, one step at a time, you're going to make it. Stay hydrated. She said, it's hot, but at least it's not raining. And uh, he ran with her. He said, she was so encouraging. And finally, he was just tired of keeping up with her. And she ran off, which would be discouraging to me. But, she, but here, here's, here's what he realized. He said, when you're, when you're in the race of life, you don't need to be around people who are discouraging you. You need some sources in your life who are encouraging you. And you, you need those people. Now, let, allow me to put in a shameless plug for church. This is one of the reasons for church. 
in Hebrews, the 10th chapter, that was written to people who were dealing with pain. He said, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Guys, listen, when you come here, here's what I know can happen. I know the worship will encourage you. I know the message will encourage you. If you go to classes, they will encourage you. If you get involved in one of our serving groups, that's an encouraging environment. Give us one year and your life can change, but you're in an environment of encouragement. When you're dealing with pain, you want to be encouraged. Here's the second one. He says rejoice. Now understand this is a process. You're not, you can't have someone walk out on you one day and you just you stand up and go, well, praise God. But you want to get to the place where you can begin to rejoice. And, and here's what I mean by that. Where you begin to thank God for the things in your life that are going right. Because if we're not careful focusing on the pain, that's all we see. And we forget that we have people. I was going through something recently and I was having a problem with, with an individual. And I was thinking about it and thinking about it. And then this thought came. I have so many people in my life who do not cause me problems. So many people in my life who are a blessing. And if you stopped and started counting, you're like, there's so many people who've been good to me. So many people. And so you can begin to rejoice and thank God for what he's done. Now, here's another thing. When you can begin to rejoice, please don't wait for your feelings to prompt you to do it. Rejoicing is an act of our faith, but it is one of the greatest steps towards strength. The psalmist said this. He said, I would have lost heart unless I believed I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. When we heard Christina begin to hum, Jordan and I were, were sitting in the kitchen one day and we heard her, no, actually we were in our bedroom and we heard her humming in the kitchen. And Joy said, do you hear that? I said, what? She's humming. What, what, what did that tell us? It told us she was coming out. When you can begin to rejoice, that means I am coming out of this and I believe I'm going to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Rejoice. The second one is this, when he said, be of one mind, here's how I'm going to phrase that. Become more focused, narrow your focus. Again, we go through pain, we go through problems, we go through problems with people, and if we're not careful, it can absolutely fill the windshield of our life. I, I don't know about you, but I've had this happen to me. I've, I've dealt with things, and, and I tend to think about them over and over and over again, just almost just a loop in my mind. The, the psalmist said they surrounded me like bees. Have you ever had that? This bees, you just had bees coming in, and they're just coming at you from every way. And I can remember driving down the road, having long, drawn-out conversations with people who were not in the car. <laughs> I know I'm the only one that's ever done that. And I'm not talking about talking to the people who get in my personal lane. I am talking, which is the left lane, and and. You talk to them, you're like, why are you there? Can you please go? Can you please go? But I'm having a conversation with somebody who's not even in the car. And you think, well, why? Because unfortunately, my mind and thoughts have been filled with the problem, the pain, the problem, the pain. So how in the world do you get out of that? Our, uh, a good friend of ours, is a, a man who's become a great friend to me is uh, Dr. Mark Rutland. And he wrote a book called 21 Seconds That'll Change Your Life. And he talked about being in a dark, dark place of depression. He said, when he was in this dark place, he said he felt like he was on a ledge. He said, and farther down was just the pit. He said, but he didn't know how to get up. He said, his thoughts just went so negative. He said, one day when his thoughts were so negative, he said, it's like he heard the voice of the enemy say, you don't have a prayer. He said, but he heard another voice. 
Thank God for the voice of the Holy Spirit who said, yes, you do. You just need to know how to use it. And he began to take the Lord's Prayer, what you may know as the Our Father, and he began to, to put that back to back with the 23rd Psalm, which is probably one of my favorites. And this is what he said. He said, I would say those things back to back. He said, sometimes dozens of times a day. Dozens of times a day. And he said, but it became life to me. It became medicine to me. He said, it was a divine recipe for coming out of the pit. And he began to come out. Now, at, at first thought, saying a, a scripture or going through a scripture passage dozens of times a day, it seems a little weird. You're like, Alan, that's weird. Well, think about this. I don't know about you, but I've thought on a problem over and over and over and over again. And thinking about a problem over and, and looping and thinking and looping, that didn't make the problem go away and it didn't relieve the pain. So if we can think about a problem dozens of times a day, can we not take a scripture passage and begin to speak that dozens of times a day? Because it's like the psalmist said, he said, your word, he said, this is my comfort in my affliction for your word has given me life. So in other words, instead of thinking about the problem, I'm going to take, I'm going to take the 23rd Psalm. I love the 23rd Psalm. I suggest this to people. Alan, I'm having a problem and I just feel so upset and I feel so, I, I just feel, what am I going to do? Well, you need something else to think about. And instead of thinking about the problem and what they did to me and how I'm going to recover from that and what, you can begin to say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Stalin, if I repeat that out loud, how is that going to help me? Because when you repeat it out loud, not in your office cubicle, but when you get a chance to repeat it out loud, you're in your car, you're by yourself, then you've got to stop thinking about the negative to focus on the positive, and that brings life to you, and it can pull you out of a pit. It's a help. So you need a, a scripture passage. You need something you can go to. I've got that one. I've got Psalms 34. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. Say, so how do you know those so well? Because I've gone over those so much. And they've been a help to me. So that the, then the, the last one is this. The last one where it said, be full restoration. That really doesn't make a lot of sense. An, actual, an accurate translation of that means become mature. So in other words, grow to maturity. Listen, here's one of the beautiful things about dealing with pain in life is you can grow to a place of spiritual maturity where the pain doesn't bother you as much. Are you ever going to get to a place, Alan, do I ever get to a place in life where I never have pain at all in dealing with people? I wish I could tell you yes, but the problem is it's not the truth. The problem is when we deal with people, people disappoint us, they do things, where they make mistakes, and, 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 and they cause us pain. That's part of the human condition. But there's another condition. It's a spiritual condition. And as we begin to grow spiritually, we can grow past that pain. You know, Paul said something that many of us have quoted. It's one of my favorite verses. It says in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. If you look at the context of that, 
how Paul is talking when he says he's talking about going through a difficult time. He said, I've been, he said, I, I, I've been in need. The Philippian church gave to his need. He said, he didn't have any, any money. He said, I'm going through a difficult time. He said, but whenever state I'm in, I've learned to be content. In other words, Paul is saying, if things are going good, if things are not going good, I've learned to stand strong. And then somebody said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. This is why I'm saying the doctors may look at you and say, you can never come through this. You're always going to be this way. It's always going to, and I'm telling you something different that with God on your side, there's no one that can stand against you and you can come through this situation and you can come out. I went, I went to Hawaii years ago. I went for a conference and we went to the beach one day and on the beach of Hawaii, there's pristine beaches, but then they have beaches that have a lot of rocks. And when the waves hit the rocks, they're loud and it sends up spray. It's just kind of chaotic. And you say, well, if I want to get rid of that, what would I do? Well, you could, you could remove all the rocks and that would make it better. But it's, you can't remove all the rocks off a beach. But when the water level rises and the tide comes in, then the waves break over the rocks and they just head gently to the shore. I thought, boy, isn't that the way it is in life? The rocks are the painful situations in our life. And so often we're just crashing against them, crashing against them, crashing against them. And you're like, God, I need these painful things to leave. I need these painful. Well, he can lift the pain. But guys, what's happened has happened. But here's what else can happen. As you begin to grow, as you stay with the Lord, as you stay in church, as you read your Bible, you begin to get stronger spiritually. And when you get stronger spiritually, the water level rises in your life and the rocks are there, but they don't have the same impact and they don't have the same hurt. And you've grown past that. Paul told, told him at the very end, he said, live in peace. May the God of love and peace be with you. And you're thinking, I, I need peace in my life. Well, live in peace, really, the greatest news we have there is, guys, peace. Peace in relationships, sometimes that happens. And sometimes, despite your best effort, you can't make the other person do what's right. But he said, well, how in the world can I have peace? Because you can have peace with God. The Bible says that being justified or made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have peace with him that no longer is there a separation. And listen, if you're going through a difficult time, God's not the one punishing you and he's not mad at you. He's not abandoned you. He's not rejected you. He's the God of love and peace who will walk with you every step of the way. Amen. Can you get past the pain in relationships? Yes. Can you grow stronger so they don't have the same impact? Yes. Can you get to the place where the hurt just seems like something that's a dream that's in the past and you're strong and moving on with the Lord? Yes, you can. You can recover. You can get stronger. You can have peace. Will you bow your heads with me for a moment? Heads are bowed and eyes are closed and we'll be out of here in just a moment if you'll give me a couple. If you came today and said, Alan, I know I don't have peace between me and God. I, I'm not sure if I have a relationship with him or I'm not confident of that. Or maybe you're like I was. I was raised in church and got away from God. I knew it. He knew it. But I wanted to come home. I wonder, would, would he accept me? Would he take me? The answer is yes, he would. The answer is yes, he will. The answer is he's open-armed. Of all your relationship, he's actually the one who loves you the most. And so as heads are bowed and eyes are closed, if you say, Alan, I, I know I don't have a relationship with the Lord, but I would want to, I want that. 
or you say, Alan, I want to come back, would you pray for me? I'm not going to ask you to stand up or come to the front. I'm not going to embarrass you in any way. But we are going to say a prayer. As heads are bowed and eyes are closed. If that's you and you want to get in on this prayer, would you just slip your hand up across this auditorium? I realize it takes courage to do that. But if you do that, thank you. Thanks. Thank you for that. Anybody else? Just say, Alan, that's me. Thank you. Appreciate your hands. Thank you. Yeah, I got you. Way in the back. Great. Thank you. Great job, guys. You can put your hands down. Maybe you're, you're debating with yourself. Your heart's thumping. You're like, I wish I'd, I wish I'd raised my hand. Listen, you can pray this prayer with us right from your heart. We're going to pray it with you as a church family. This is your opportunity to step out of darkness into his marvelous light. This is your opportunity to come home. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Let's pray this together. Say, dear God, I know mankind needs a savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I said yes to you. If you don't mind just keeping your heads bowed, eyes closed, just for a moment. I'm grateful for the people that prayed that prayer, but there's many sitting here today thinking, I don't know that I can ever come through this pain and this sorrow. And I'm going through the motions, but I'm just hurting on the inside. I want to pray for you. Father, I, I, I pray for those this morning that are hurting, those that think that they never can get better. And I thank you that you are a healer, not just of our physical bodies, but that you're the healer of our souls, of our emotions. You're the one who can do a work on the inside of us that no one else can do. So I thank you, Father, and I ask you to do that, that you begin to lift the pain and lift the hurt and heal the broken heart. And Father, for that, we are so grateful and so thankful that we have a God, a Heavenly Father, a Lord we can count on and trust through thick and thin. We give you all the praise for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. For more about the Ark, visit thearkchurch.com.